Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. I'm more popular than a gopher out on the range. After all, his male peers were eaten by an American eagle. It's high noon for October 6th, 2020. There's drama afoot. President Trump left Walter Reed Medical Center at 6.30 Eastern Time yesterday, causing another major media meltdown. Let's see if we can get through all the things that the media was mad about. Donald Trump walked out of the front doors at Walter Reed Medical Center, and people recorded it on video. That's one of the things they're mad about. That he used the front doors of Walter Reed for a photo op. Oh no. He's putting countless lives at risk by walking down the steps and then getting into the helicopter, the same helicopter that brought him to the hospital to return home. And they also filmed the helicopter. Those bastards! How dare they? How dare they film the helicopter and film him walking out? And then back at the White House, they filmed him and reported breathlessly as he walked up the stairs. Oh no! How could he? How could he walk up the stairs in front of everybody and film it? Ah! Oh my God, the lights and the background make him look powerful. (laughs) Donald Trump (laughs) walked out and took off his mask. Oh no. How could he? 
He's within a mere hundred feet of other people. The doctors said there was no evidence of live virus in Donald Trump. What do you want him to do? Is he supposed to stay at the hospital longer to make your version of coronavirus correct? People are not mad about anything other than having their narrative ruined. That's it. He takes off his mask as a show of defiance to the rules everyone has agreed upon, even though the only people who have agreed upon it are about 10% of the population who shames everybody else. And the media always starts these reports. Well, we know that masks work, but the president doesn't seem to believe that he should abide those guidelines. And so he's setting a very dangerous tone for other Americans. No, not how it happens. Not how it works. And isn't it crazy that the guy America chose to be the president in 2016 is not allowed to model behavior. The only people that can model behavior are Anthony Fauci, Democratic congressmen, and women, celebrities, athletes, Joe Biden. They are all modeling correct behavior because they always have a mask on, even in situations where it's not recommended. That's what the good people do. That's what the smart people do. That would be like parking your car, turning it off, getting out, and then detaching your seatbelt from the car so that you can keep it wrapped around you for the rest of the day. That's what we're talking about here. Do seatbelts save lives? Sure. But not when you're not in the car. Do masks save lives? No. But they especially don't when you're not around anyone. And you don't have a live virus in your system. The truth is Donald Trump could continue testing positive for the coronavirus for another 12 weeks. Is he supposed to quarantine that entire time? Is he, as the president of the United States, supposed to pretend that because some media figures and political hacks say that this is what people should do, that the president actually has to do it. As I've been saying for six or seven months now, the virus is serious to certain people under certain conditions. It is not serious to the vast 
majority of the people in the world and the people in America. If you are under 75 and active and healthy at all, you have virtually no risk of dying from the coronavirus. And even the, the, high perc- the high risk percentages, the above 75 or above 80, where they say that the, uh, the infection fatality rate is around 5%, that counts people who are 100. It counts people who are 99. It counts people who are 98 and 97 and 96. Do you see where this is going? It counts people who were in hospice. It counts people who are in nursing homes and long-term care, end-of-life care. In fact, over 50% of the deaths were in that environment. And those are deaths with COVID, not from COVID, just with. And so he comes out, he talks about how you should not let it dominate your life. The coronavirus should not dominate your life. And that is a fact. It should not dominate your life. I've said this before. I'll say it again now. If coronavirus weren't discovered and named, we would have gone on just like we did through December, January, February, and half of March. Not knowing much about it, not caring much about it, not mitigating it. And not even realizing that it was here. But then we find out we're supposed to be scared. And everything changes. We know the virus was in our midst before. And we were not scared. We were not masking. We were not locking down. The virus didn't change. Our perception of the virus changed. We are not forced to be scared of this. We are not obligated to be scared of this. And we don't have to perform fear for other people out of respect or in deference to its seriousness because everybody knows how serious it is. And my goodness, it's so respectful that he took off his mask when 200,000 people have died. How many people do you think normally die? The United States is currently on a pace for no greater death than we see in an average year. So what we have done is we have overcounted coronavirus deaths because so many of them simply were not from coronavirus. They were with coronavirus. We know nearly 7,000 of those deaths were from physical harm or poisoning. Things that would have happened regardless of whether or not they had the virus. And that's just those instances. That's not talking about heart attacks or strokes or anything else. Stuff 
that definitely killed people who also had the coronavirus. How many thousands of those coronavirus deaths simply are not coronavirus deaths. Also, we have a lower standard for a positive test than much of the world. The New York Times reported on this like three weeks ago. Something like 90% of our cases would not have been counted positive in Germany. Okay, so when you look at how successful Germany is on their cases and on their deaths. Understand that they have a stricter standard for calling something covid. And they did not incentivize their doctors and medical facilities. To mark down covid on things that weren't. We have a standard called probable COVID that counts as a COVID case. If they suspect the person might have COVID from exhibiting a symptom of COVID, such as fatigue, which is also a symptom of a lot of other diseases and also just being tired, they can count that if they want. How many of our cases would have been cases at that higher standard. We also already know that the number of true infections is at least 10 times the number of recorded infections. Why? Because the vast majority of coronavirus infections do not lead to symptoms and go untested. But yet it's disrespectful, not compassionate, not caring, lacking perspective to say that the virus should not dominate us. And it's always someone making this appeal on the behalf of strangers they've never met. How would you feel if you were a person who lost a loved one to COVID? Well, I'd probably feel bad because a person I loved is dead But that doesn't make me feel any worse than it would if they died of something else. And the other thing is, people who have had loved ones lost to COVID are probably pretty sanguine and pretty sure about what actually killed their relative. If your grandmother is in hospice care and you knew that she had weeks to live and a couple weeks pass and your grandmother passes and they test and find out that she had the coronavirus present. Are you really blaming that on coronavirus? Are you really inhabiting that position of blame To the point where Donald Trump removing his mask on a balcony comes as a sign of disrespect to you. Why do we have to imagine every other adult in our society as if they are constantly vulnerable children? 
that need looking out for so that they never hear a word that might upset them. Regardless of what might be in the best interest of the nation. Because what's in the best interest of the nation is to open this country as fast as possible and get people back to their normal lives. Of course, that's not allowed. You know, and everybody's having their freakouts now because of their offended sense of decorum. This is what I call respectability ideology. They form their beliefs in such a way so as to impress other people like them. There's an Overton window in the intellectual community, and it is not a very open one. The subjects that they are allowed to broach are smaller in number than for normal people because they fear being called someone who explores conspiracies or explores alternative understandings rather than regurgitating the central narrative. It is disallowed among these people to take note of the fact that Donald Trump taking off his mask after the doctors have deemed him to have no live virus simply is not dangerous in any way. It's not dangerous scientifically or medically, and it's not a dangerous message. The people who are calling it a dangerous message find the message dangerous to them because they have held on to this story as tightly as they can for seven months. And if they are forced to let it go, They'll be exposed for the frauds that they are. And that's the end of the story. If Donald Trump taking his mask off leads to a proper discussion about masking and their uselessness, that's a great thing for the country. The fact that Donald Trump has done this on display is a great thing for the country. I know people who have had coronavirus. I know it has made them ill. I'm not denying that the coronavirus exists. The original guidance was to wash our hands, not touch our faces, and cover our coughs and sneezes, and stay home if we're sick. That is a far, far cry from where we are now. Where we can't, <laughs> we can't go indoor dining unless there's only a certain number of people there. Because that's how it works. We have to wear masks in certain situations, but not in other ones. Even though that makes absolutely no sense. We are engaged in security theater. And it is insulting that we have to pretend it's real. Also, if you're in the trust the doctors, trust the science, trust the data crowd, why do medical experts at Walter Reed tasked 
with maintaining the health of an American president not rise to the level of people that we are supposed to listen to when they say that the president has no live virus and they say it's safe for him to be discharged and they say that his ride in the SUV with the uh, Secret Service guys was approved of and that proper precautions were taken. Why do we get to ignore that? And why do the supposedly smart, very astute, very serious intellectuals on Twitter and in the media and our lovely celebrities, why do they get to say those doctors are wrong? For that matter, why do they get to say Scott Atlas is wrong? Scott Atlas has been right the entire time from the beginning of the pandemic. How do I know? I followed his work the whole time. I was thrilled when he was named. Why? Because I followed his work the whole time. Not because I immediately heard the name for the first time and began loving him because Donald Trump says he's okay and he fits my political needs. But what did the other side do? They heard of him for the first time, realized he didn't fit their political needs, and then called him a conspiracy theorist. That's intellectual? That's smart? That's a good decision-making process? Of course not. Why do we have to pretend that these people are serious? They are not serious. All of these fucking journalists sitting, cowering in their apartments, reading Twitter all day. Happy that they are home getting paid, that their life has not changed substantially. They are the ones constructing the narrative. They are the ones guiding the morality of a country. That is scary, guys. That is a state media, as described in Orwell and elsewhere. You know, people make fun of the, uh, the media in North Korea and China, and rightfully so, because they tell ridiculous stories about their countries and leaders and how great they are. Like, I remember a story where they reported that Kim Jong-un had sunk 18 holes in one while playing golf. Did he do that? No. Did they say it? Yep. Now, why is total unyielding fealty to Kim Jong-un by the media substantively different than total hatred for Donald Trump. The media is enforcing a one-sided narrative in both scenarios that does not match reality. And what we have is a state media. Our state media is the mouthpiece of the old guard. And there are different mouthpieces, social media, the mainstream news media, and celebrities 
and the propaganda that they put out. They are all mouthpieces of the state media repeating the same things. This is cultural enforcement of ideas and behavior. You should reject it at every opportunity. And here's another example of the media going absolutely insane. Last week, some leaked tapes of a conversation between Melania Trump and some random woman who was pretending to be her friend while trying to completely betray and undermine her made brief headlines. People freaked out because in the video, Melania was talking about how tedious it was and how annoying it was that she had to decorate the White House for Christmas rather than focusing on her work of aiding victims of human trafficking across the border. And the crazy thing is the media tried to spin this as Melania Trump hates Christmas. Now, why would they do that? Why would the party who conducts the, you know, quote unquote war on Christmas, which, yes, I know it's silly. It's not a war on Christmas. Fine, fine, fine. But the party and the culture who are trying to cancel Christmas songs to rewrite and re-record by John Legend. Baby, it's cold outside because the original is too rapey and supports the rape culture that we totally have here. That open, overt, and culturally condoned narrative about Christmas and the teardown of Christmas traditions is no big deal, but Melania not wanting to decorate the White House is supposed to be a scandal. And who is it supposed to scandalize? Well, Christians. Because Democrats and the media have now decided that a good way to depress the Christian turnout for Donald Trump is to intimate that his wife hates Christmas because she would rather be (laughs) working on the project at the border than decorating the White House. Now, why does the first lady have to decorate the White House? And what does that say about gender norms? And what does it say about the ostensible gender norms of the people who are saying she should stay home and decorate or else she hates Christmas and is thus offensive to Christians. Don't you see the game that's being played here? Are we supposed to believe that the media and the left care about Christians? By the way, I'm an atheist. This isn't a subject I care that much about. I'm talking about how they tell you the story and how they arrange events in your mind. Melania Trump thinks decorating for Christmas is not a major priority, especially in comparison to what she's actually spending her time doing. So that means that she hates Christmas. And if we can exploit this false narrative well enough, 
then the Christians will believe it. And then Donald Trump won't get into the White House. And do you see what the underlying assumption is and has to be for a plan this stupid to work? They have to believe that Christians are gullible and stupid enough to believe it. This is just like Joe Biden hiring washed up rappers. Now, the woke media, the completely denatured and detached intelligentsia will find it convincing to Christians who they don't know that Melania Trump hates Christmas. And they will push that argument onto people. Didn't you see that Melania Trump hates Christmas? Didn't you see? Well, this is really going to drive a wedge between Donald Trump and the evangelicals. Really? How many evangelicals do you know? Zero? Got it. Joe Biden's really making a play for the black community by having washed up rappers make dorky propaganda. Oh, that's going to really swing some voters. How will Donald Trump respond? This passes for insight and analysis in today's current media environment. They substitute their opinion and their stereotypes of these groups for actual analysis because they don't know these people and they don't want to know these people. And what could be more obvious? So after Donald Trump got back to the White House last night, the Lincoln Project took the little speech he gave before leaving Walter Reed and then spliced into the video scenes of uh, guys in hazmat suits walking stretchers around, bodies in body bags, hospitals overrun. Donald Trump gave a speech. If you don't like what he says, that's fine. But let's not pretend that Donald Trump's speech was propaganda and that this is just a clever retort to said propaganda. This is the height of propaganda and fear-mongering. Donald Trump talks about how the disease is manageable and the society should not be dominated by it And the Lincoln Project turns that into an ad about how everyone should be horrified of coronavirus. And if you pause your horror for even a brief second, the body bags will just pile up. Now, I don't know everybody, and I didn't take a scientific poll, and I am not a gender studies theory who now does pop psychology. But I would imagine that if I had had loved ones die from the coronavirus and I watched Donald Trump's speech and then I watched uh, the Lincoln Project's ad, one of those would have seemed exploitative and disrespectful 
to my loved ones. And it was the one with the body bags and the hazmat suits trying to scare me about a disease that has an infection fatality rate of the flu, yet does not kill children and only kills the elderly with comorbidities, most often already in end-of-life care. This is one of those times where it's just like everything is upside down. And if you're not seeing this clearly yet, all of this is backwards for you and none of it makes sense. And I was having this discussion with uh, someone who I really respect, actually, uh, Connor Friedersdorf from The Atlantic. And I imagine that he and I will have a podcast sooner or later together. Um, I I mean, having him on this one, I don't mean that we're going to start a show. And I said to him, I was like, don't you find it odd that people in your mindset, people who are still hewing to the central narrative, really find the world to be extremely confusing. You know, you can't tell fact from fiction. You don't know what's right. Things seem wrong about Biden, but you can't bring yourself to vote for Trump. Like nothing makes sense. So you're just going to casually sit this one out. The truth is that no Trump supporter sees that that way. We are not confused. We are not upset. We are not anxious. The world makes sense to us just fine. Because all we're doing is observing reality and interpreting reality. Not getting bogged down in stupid ideas about what someone else's morality might be as told to us by someone whose parents or grandparents did well in their lives and sent their children to good colleges where they became systematized and now repeat the same things to one another to maintain the system. They listen to the same music. They watch the same television. They go see every Marvel movie. They know all the Kardashians' names. And they tell us what normal people think. And were to imagine that because of their place on high with their blue check mark, that the way to know what average people think is to ask an expert. What? An expert is needed to tell us what normal people think. And I imagine that's true for some person or some people. What kind of person would need an expert to tell them what normal people think? Well, a person who considers themselves above average in some important way that makes them not normal, not a plebeian or a rube, I mean, just look at their shoes. They have a nice car. Their hair is always well-maintained. So, of course, they don't know what normal people think. So they turn to an expert. And, of course, the expert must know what normal people think. I mean, after all, they are an expert. 
But what's the other reason? The other reason is that this self-imagined above average person literally doesn't know any normal people. And if they find out that someone around them is normal, that person needs to be expelled. And of course, you don't actually need to be successful or competent or intelligent or well-read or well-spoken or well-thought to be an expert. Or to be above normal, above average. You just need to say the right things. Which is why the wokeness is so appealing to people who aren't in the academic class, the celebrity class, the media class. Because it makes them feel like they are. If they are saying the things the celebrity says for the reason the celebrity says them. Well, by golly, they must have something in common. And... What is more worthy of respect than having something in common with a celebrity? Thank God we have experts to tell us what normal people think. And thank God we have a group of well-funded ex-Republican grifters to show us what morality is. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Listen to more hopes fall. Goodbye. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and give it a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. So new listeners can take your word for it. You can follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at I'm your moderator. If you have feedback, you can email. Hey, moderator at I'm your moderator.com or use the hashtag. Hey, moderator on Twitter. If you'd like to support the show, search Be Reasonable on Patreon, where I'll have additional daily-ish segments in a special podcast feed of the show, as well as my writing and audio readings of those articles. You can also go to anchor.fm slash be reasonable and become a supporter there. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Be reasonable. as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble, and bit shoot. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofa. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range.
It's hell!